Mission and Adventure. Welcome, everyone. We are usually like the four after podcast. Today, we're more like the 17 after podcast. I'm sorry. We have had a little bit of technical difficulty. No one is to blame, even though we do like to blame things on Tim when possible. But uh, anyway, I am super glad to be here. Finally, this has been the kind of day I'm having. So it's probably my fault. I was on, uh, I gave a talk in, an, in a group this morning and everything went wrong with the tech. So ah, it's awesome. And anyway, breathe. we're here now and we are going to talk about one of my favorite things, which is new clients. We all love shiny new clients, but how do we onboard them in the most effective way? What are the best practices for onboarding a new client? It's episode number what, Tim? 182. 182. Thank you so much. So we're already in episode 182. We've only got four episodes left in the year. So, uh, and this episode topic was voted for by you guys. If you would like to participate in that, um, I couldn't do the poll on the Divi chat page, but I did put it in my Facebook group, Focus on Your Biz. So you can jump over there if you'd like to get in on voting on the last four episodes. Alternately, you're welcome to just put a comment on our Facebook page or um, leave a message on your favorite podcast app of a topic that you'd love to hear. We're always open to have uh, ideas from you guys on what you want to hear as topics. Okay, enough of me rambling. Let's introduce our gang today. We've got a special uh, guest joining us, our buddy Mike. Mike, why don't you introduce yourself for the peoples? Oh my goodness, up first. Okay, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> right in at the deep end. Um, yeah, my name's Mike Devitt. Uh, I run a web design agency in the UK called uh, Web Design Pro, and you can find us at webdesignpro.co. Nice and short, sharp and sweet. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> you there, Steph? We can't hear you. Stephanie's Sorry, gone. that's because everything is going to go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tim, you want to go next? Sure, I'll be happy to go next. Uh, hey, everyone, oh, Tim Streifler here, broadcasting from San Clemente, California. And uh, you may notice that my microphone looks different. I Ooh, new toy. No, it's the same it microphone. The I just took off. I just took the hat off. Um, this thing is supposed <laughs> to be a pop filter, uh, but apparently you don't need it with this mic. So we'll see. But basically I was doing a, a Facebook YouTube live earlier today. And then when I got done, I, I watched it and saw that it decided to focus on my microwave, my microwave, my microphone <laughs> instead of my face. And so I was like, yeah. I need to shrink it. Yeah. So I decided to take that giant pop filter hat off. But um, anyways, you can find me online at divilife.com where I have all my Divi plugins, trial themes, tutorials, um, and actually, I just launched a, a campaign called Div Ember, Divi plus November, uh, where I'm going live almost every day with tutorials and freebies and everything. Uh, so all month long over at DiviLife.com. So check it out. I um, Hey, Tim, were you, did you get a little emotional at the bris for your microphone? You had a, you had a bris? Do you know what that? Never mind. Okay, forget. I don't know what you're talking about because I took That's this off. It's like a circumcision of <laughs> forget it even the jokes are broken this week you guys oh my gosh that's funny that is funny. all right sarah hi uh i'm sarah it's from endure web studios you can catch me at endure.com.au 
or endure web on the socials and you'll notice i'm in a new room and that is because it is now 9 a.m which means my family have left the house and so i'm at my normal desk so you're gonna see my kitchen which requires me to clean up my kitchen i'm undecided if this is going to be the ongoing situation but for now (laughs) welcome to my house Oh, how nice. I like getting to see your house. I'm so happy <laughs> that you are here and I'm so happy that it's 9am there I know because that. you're going to, you're going to need to carry me today. I have a feeling. So, uh, <laughs> I've had my coffee. Anyway. Good. Okay, good. So um, to kick us off, Tim, maybe if you could dive in and explain to the folks listening at home uh, or live on the socials with us here, explain to them what we mean by onboarding a client, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of our listeners here at Divi Chat are web designers. So web designers are creating websites for clients. And so typically when you Uh, bring on a new client, you have some sort of an onboarding process, or if you don't, you should. And especially after this episode, you should implement it. But basically an onboarding process is having a standardized way of bringing a client on. So whether that's getting uh, all of their login information for the stuff you need access to, getting the content from them, having some sort of standardized practice that you do every time so that things don't get missed, things don't get forgotten uh, is is definitely the, the way to do it. And so we're going to talk about our processes, some best practices, um, and then uh, hopefully all of our listeners will learn, but I think all of us will kind of learn as we typically do from each other, uh, different tips and tricks and hacks and all that kind of thing. So um, as Sarah pointed out uh, when we were talking uh, before we we went live today, um, this can also be customer onboarding because for example, I have a Divi product business. Stephanie has a uh, maintenance, uh, WordPress maintenance business. And so bringing on a client uh, can be similar to bring on a customer. And so we're going to, you know, talk about that from like a, just an overall customer experience point of view. But I think the focus is for web designers that are bringing on new clients. Yeah. So I went to this um, seminar once and it was really useful because what they were talking about was it was basically for anyone who started their own business that at some point you come to the point where you need to kind of expand and grow. And that means you need to raise your prices. And we've had lots of topics on raising your prices. And what they said to me, which i I have really taken and kind of tried to mull over and I'm still in the process of it, but they talked about what you want to do is create the ultimate client experience. And so the idea behind that that is you think through the process of a client coming to you right from the beginning, all the way through the process. If you can create that experience to be amazing, where aside from the product, whether they're buying, they're purchasing something from you, whether they're coming and you're doing a website for them, whatever it is that you're doing for them, if you can create the experience that is amazing, they will overlook if things aren't perfect. They will love the experience and they will pay more for that experience. They will also tell other people about their experience with you. And so that process could be, even for like Tim's business, right? It could be about even the support, like the experience all the way through. Now we're not talking about right towards the end. At this point, we're talking about the onboarding. So the beginning process of that, but maybe later we can come and look at further in the journey. But the idea is if you can think through the whole journey of someone's experience of working with you, you can actually make it so that they want to pay more 
to work with you because you, their experience with you is something that is above what other people are doing. Whether or not the product is exactly the same that they receive in the end, their experience is going to mean that they feel like it is more valuable and they will refer you, which in effect is like doing marketing. Um, so we're going to look at the very beginning part of that, which is the onboarding, when they come to you and before maybe you start the process um, of starting. With Absolutely. You. So that's kind love of, you know, that. that's been really valuable for me, just thinking about that. I wouldn't say I've nailed the whole thing, but I'm working on it. Awesome. I love that, love Sarah, that. about giving them an exceptional experience. And I think there are some other benefits to it as well. Um, anytime you can kind of automate, not kind of, anytime you can automate a piece of the process, you're a step ahead. You're going to do it faster, more efficiently. Nothing gets left out, things like that. So um, do, does anybody have an onboarding process that they would like to, um, that they would like to share? I'm going to share with the group. Anybody? Mike does, I can tell. Oh, I was just going to say. I was just going to yeah. say about um, the 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 whole experience of meeting somebody for the first time, and I kind of see the um, <clears throat> the beginning experience, that experience that you have, as a hundred and ten meter hurdle race, <clears throat> and in that you've got you've kind of you know that you're going to go over a number of hurdles in order to onboard that person in the first place. And um, sometimes it's quite an easy process and they're there. You can tell they're on board straight away. You can, you're getting a really good vibe from them. Um, but you're making your mind up about that person as well as they're making their mind up about you. So once you get over that first hurdle, you then you're then into the next stage, but we've had, um, people where we've done seven and a half hours of talking and going back and forth and and talking about some very complex projects and then they've signed up and yes we're ready to go and you've sent you so you've sent them a proposal everything's um, sorted and you think I've got this person we're we're ready to go and then they've pulled out and they've pulled out this year because of covid so it's kind of like you, you kind of, uh, it doesn't matter how um, shiny and, and pristine your process is, um, each person is different and each person has to be dealt with in a, in, a, in a way they want to be dealt with. And you have to try and read that in the engagement right from the very beginning. So really sort of tapping into uh, what they're looking for, what they're looking for for their website, what they're looking for for their business. Um, and there's various different ways of, of, of asking the right questions, either through questionnaires um, where you can sort of send them a, a, a pre-meeting questionnaire to try and get a little bit more information, perhaps do some research on their, on their business as well, if they've told you a little bit about their business. Or you might be in a situation where actually this person's coming to you that has no business whatsoever. And then your meeting might be slightly different because we we do have people that contact us and phone us up and they say, oh, I've got no business, I've got no domain, but I've got an idea. So then you're in a situation where you're thinking, well, this person's um, really coming to us to try and get information out of us to potentially go off somewhere else. So then your meeting with that person is totally different again. And you might decide to actually charge for that meeting because a lot of designers actually when they're um, 
they, they advertise free consultations, but actually for a meeting like that, where you get somebody like that, you get the feeling that you're getting, you're being tapped. Um, and then there's, that's another process that you might follow there. So various different processes from the beginning when you're um, potentially working with anyone, just trying to work them out first. I have a couple different um, methods when I bring somebody on. One of the things that I do a lot of the times is just similar to some of the stuff Mike was just saying is I, I talk to people. That's my thing, though. I'm a talker in case. I don't know if you guys know this that or not. I'm a little chatty occasionally. But I, um, I, I'll have a Zoom call or a phone call and I'll get down to the, the nitty gritty of the information. But then it's on me to input that into my systems. And that is not my strength. So a better way, which I'm, I have put pieces in place over the years in different ways. And um, this topic coming up was a good reminder for me that I've really got to get back into it. Um, I, I remember it's been at least a year ago, but our, our pal Tammy from Sunflower Designs, is it Sunflower Studios or Sunflower Designs? I can't remember. Sorry, Tammy. It might be Design Studios. <laughs> Maybe it's both. <laughs> anyway, um, our pal Tammy, she had a form that she shared that was her intake form that she had shared. And I took it and modified it. And um, I looked for it for this episode. And I actually can't find it anymore because I have changed it so much to suit my own needs. Yeah. Um, if anybody's interested, I'm happy to share a link to my onboarding form. It's... Um, it's very similar to what I use for a website style survey is what I call it. So if somebody's going to get a new website, whether this is a new client onboarding or it's an, a different point in the process, I'll send them a form to kind of onboard them into that project. So I guess that still kind of counts. And it gets, it logs all of their business information and it gives me info about what their brand colors are, if they have a logo already, gives, uh, I ask them about different websites that they like or don't like those kind of things. And, um, and why that's also important. Like I like Google. Okay. Cause it's useful or cause it's all bright, white and clean. And there's tons of space. Like, what do you like about a thing? And so I, I do have something like that, that has been really helpful. And then the key to making those things the best is to take that information and do something with it besides just making notes and creating a website from it, get it into your CRM, and then you can continue the relationship with that client. So that's one of mine. I have a couple of different ones, but maybe somebody else wants to. Yeah, I've got learn. thoughts on that because I, like, I have a contact form on my website, which is a really basic contact form, but it asks a question, would you like a price estimate? And then if they tick that, it reveals a bunch more questions. And hmm. at one point, like when I started my business, I had... I have this full questionnaire and what I discovered is people don't like filling in really long questionnaires. And so in yeah. the end, I have not sent that questionnaire to anyone for years because mm. in the end, what I found was just asking a few basic questions in my contact form. So, I mean, feel free to have a look at it if you want. It's not the crazy, most exciting thing in the world, but I just basically ask them do like, you know, what sort of functionality are you looking for? How many pages are we looking at? I think I asked that. Um, do you have a rough price estimate that you're expecting to spend? Um, and I have them all as open fields. I used to have the prices as like bullet points mm -hmm. because I wanted to kind of cull out the really low 
budget people. But what I've ended up finding is if I just have an open field, they can say, I don't really know, or I was thinking around whatever, and then asking some open questions. I kind of keep it really simple. And then like Steph, I think I, re I like to then talk to them. So whether I reply to them and say, hey, that's great, because it'll help me feel out like this person is not going to fit me or it's just not going to work or whatever, then I can quickly write back and say, hey, thanks for your message. Like either at the moment we're too full or I just don't think it's where a great fit. Would you like me to recommend some other people? Um, and I have, again, even though this is not onboarding, I have some people I recommend and I try really hard that even if someone contacts me and I'm saying no, I try to do it in a way that's really friendly. I try to reply to people within 24 hours if they fill out my contact form and I do it during business hours. And some of this is all a part of teaching people, this is how I work. Like I will be responsive. I will be friendly and nice. I will tell you if I cannot do what you're asking me to do and I'll refer someone else on. But then if they ask me questions and I think, oh, maybe, then I want to talk to them. And the reason for that is if I send them a questionnaire, nine times out of 10, they won't fill it out <laughs> because it's too long. Like the things I'm asking them. So maybe just have a think through, like if you're going to do a questionnaire, um, could you cull out some stuff that you can get from them later? So the process that I have is I'll ask them that basic kind of information, then I'll meet with them and talk with them or Zoom with them or do a phone call with them and get enough information that we're kind of on the ball rolling and then try and like do a proper meeting or whatever. Um, but then um, I, I ask them the minimum amount that I have to ask them before I can send them a proposal. And then I'll send them a proposal. So I'll, I'll stop at that point before I move forward. But I have another process that isn't a form to then gather the rest of the information. Oh, that's good. Um, and I think it's just one of those things of thinking through, like, if, have you ever had to fill out a really long form? So I worked with a content writer once and for my website. So I, he was mentoring me in my content years ago and he filled, sent me this massive form and it was awful. It was this experience of like, I don't know how to answer this and I feel like I've got to get it right. And like, it just felt really overwhelming and it took me... I don't know, two weeks to like respond with the questionnaire. Whereas if he had have maybe just talked to me on the phone, I would have more naturally been able to just chat through those things. So yes, you have some work then to do to put that into a CRM, which I think we're going to do a whole topic on CRMs in um, the upcoming weeks. But for me, I feel like I get more out of a client talking to them than asking them to fill out a form. And that's just me personally, but other people might I, have had better experience or they're asking better questions than I have. Well, well I think the hybrid effect, the hybrid um, option might be the best, Sarah, where you've got a form that collects information so you don't have to type things in or copy paste or whatever to get it from point A to point B into your CRM or into wherever, yeah. your project management system. But if you can get them to type in all that stuff so you don't have to be their secretary and then then you can have yeah. a chat with them about, um, about what it is that is going on with the project, who they are, all of that. Yeah. Um, do you so ever try and put a time limit on the on the actual meeting itself? So you, you've got this um, process of following, of trying to get as much information as you can before the actual sort of meeting with them. Um, but do you have to say to yourself, right, okay, I'm going to try and nail this within three quarters of an hour, hour something like that, just so that it doesn't feel... Um, it, I think sometimes when I've met with people, it, it can feel a bit overwhelming for them when there's like... Mm -hmm. like 
I used to say to people, yeah, it's, I'll come and see you two hours and we're done. And they're like, two hours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and quite often it was two hours because you get into a conversation with them about their business and all the rest of it. But I think that two hour, two hour chunks are, are, can be quite a lot for people. Yeah, definitely. For sure. I think an hour is good. And the bonus about Zoom at the moment is you can only book half an hour meetings. You can go for longer than half an hour, but you can only book half an hour in the free plan. So, or 45 minutes. So the advantage yeah. is you're already setting the expectation. This is not mm. going to be a really long meeting. Um, and then when you start to talk to them or when you send an email, you can say, look, I can only book it for half an hour, but we'll go max hour. I think an hour is honestly the it's longest good. that people can focus for. Mm -hmm. And if you need to then go back and do a second one, I think you're better off splitting that into some chunks and and sometimes it helps them to go away and have a think because initially when you talk to them they're not necessarily going to have the three websites that they love to look at of and why so initially you might just be talking through you know more basic stuff and then you come back later which is what i do so i will ask later some of those things because i don't think you need it in the beginning i think there's you know you can get a, enough of a vibe of what they're looking for earlier right. on before having yeah. to get everything and overwhelm them. Yeah. I think if you're in control, you're in charge of that meeting. And this is like a little bit hypocritical because I can do too much talking in a meeting as well. But um, I think those kind of meetings are half intake and half like confidence building, relationship building kind of things yeah. for me anyway. And sometimes I use a little bit of that overwhelm on purpose. Like I, sometimes I do flood them and I go fast and I'll be like, yeah, well, it's no big deal. We'll just do this, this, and this. And then if you guys want to do this, then we can just easily turn that into that. You guys are going to make so much money working with me. You know, you do that kind of thing. And it kind of like, that's a little <laughs> trick I do sometimes where it's like, they're overwhelmed to like, not to the point of like, get me out of here, but like, oh my God, I really do need help. You know? So sometimes that little, that that's yeah. a little trick that I do. Um, yeah, nice. I don't want to keep does, Dominic. Tim, do you look like you have something to say? Well, I was going to say, does anyone use any type of automation for onboarding? So for example, yes. going from a, like a gravity form that then populates in a CRM, which then creates them as a user on your Slack, you know, different things like that. Like there's a lot of things, especially using like Zapier and, and different things like that, where you can trigger different events to happen. Um, to get them kind of onto all your systems and, and stuff like that. We use that in, with focus. Yeah, we have, um, if someone signs up, then they have, they have three things that they need to do. So we'll send them an email that says, these are the three things you need to do. Uh, and the, the, you know, the first one involves them getting credentials and things like that. So that may be a little time consuming. So that's all we put in that task. So they get another thing that says like, you know, there's links to do all three, but then they'll get an email that says exactly how to do what we need to do and where to fill that in. And then the next thing is they need to send us their style information, their logo and things for the reports. And then finally they need to book a kickoff call. And so once someone signs up, that all happens automatically. If they don't, you know, with a Tom has become a genius at active campaign <laughs> triggers and automations because if they don't fill the stuff in and within a certain number of days which you know when they fill it in it removes the tag and blah 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 it's all this it's super complicated i love it nice. but it's like it can make your head explode when you're trying to figure it all out but so yeah so we do that for onboarding with focus how about you tim i'm sure you have automations for your customers 
Yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't, I've been full-time on my Divi product business and courses for a few years now and yeah, it's e-commerce. So it's definitely different, but like, for example, when a customer purchases, they get added to MailChimp and then they get, you know, email receipt. And then, uh, something that needs to be re-implemented is a customer welcome sequence with tutorials and stuff. But one thing, uh, kind of getting back to what Sarah was talking about in the beginning with like delighting your customers with a, an amazing customer experience, that's something that I've looked at a lot throughout this year is kind of auditing what that looks like, you know, where a, a lot of parts of my business were kind of just like implemented because we were growing so fast. It was like, oh, we got to get this live, boom, boom, boom. And then it's like two years goes by and haven't even, you know, gone back and revisited what that customer flow looks like post-purchase. And so I kind of looked at that this year and, and it kind of ended up uh, ending with me completely revamping the, the customer portal and everything. And little tiny changes can actually have a big impact when it comes Huge. to customer mm -hmm. experience. Like for example, yeah. um, with a lot of my plugins, we give templates. So like pop-up templates or mega mini templates that come mm -hmm. with the corresponding plugin. Well, a common question we're always getting was where are the templates? And so customers would have to go looking mm -hmm. for those. So it was like such a dumb moment, like put that information right on the thank you page with the link to everything they need. It was like one of those like little tiny things that didn't take a long time to implement that has a huge impact, not just on our end, because we're not answering the same questions over and over again, but now customers aren't frustrated because they're not going around looking yeah. for it and having to open a support ticket to ask for something that, that they shouldn't have to ask for. And I so I think to that say, Tim, the amount of time I spent in the past looking for those bloody templates. They're, it's brutal. I'm so happy yeah. to hear this. I know, right? Yeah, the, the yeah, new portal puts them front and center. Yeah, there's there's a link. <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> but some but anyway. of it is that reassessing. And even right. sometimes it's that thing of like stopping and thinking about what's your experience like for someone else. So if you go and sign up for whatever it is or you buy another product or you like do some service, kind of thinking about what sucks about this and what's awesome about this and just grabbing those little things or thinking this thing sucks so much how can I make sure I don't do something like that? Like, what can I do to mitigate that as an issue and like build it in? I think yeah, one of the yeah. best things you can do is look at all of your emails. So all of the emails that are going out to your clients, and this is one of the things I've started this year, is that process of making really awesome emails where you think about your tone of voice, um, you think about what you need to communicate, you try and be clear and succinct, and you kind of like have it laid out in a way that's really easy to look at so maybe putting a logo up the top and then like even the title of it so when someone comes and they okay say they've signed the proposal they're like yes we want to work with you then I have an email that is templated that I then modify slightly but it basically I can't remember what the title is but it's like let's get started with like some exclamation marks or something and then it's like hey we're so excited that you've chosen to work with us um, we're really looking forward to working with you then it has like a rundown on the timing so we're due to start your project whenever um, you, it, you can see you've got some time till then we need you to gather some information and so then you go through and you ask them the questions I don't have this in a form maybe I could like have some simple forms like Steph has suggested where they can fill in that information I think the whole automation thing comes in once you get bigger and yes if you've got time to set it up earlier great do it but also or if, if you, you have a Tom it's okay. 
If you have a yeah, tom, it's a all, tom, it's the best. That's great. But if you don't have a tom and if you're small, that, like I find a lot of my projects are really custom. Like every project is different. And I find that I do need to customize those emails every time. I have the template, I have the basics, but I do need to go through and double check that this is appropriate for this client. And I want them mm -hmm. to feel like it's personal. I don't want them to feel like they just received a template. So I want it, you know, it to have the right stuff in there. I also at the bottom of that email always put some things to note about working with us. I work between these hours and these hours. The best way to get in contact with me is this, like setting up some of those expectations that kind of say to them early on, like, we're going to be great to work with. We're really friendly and approachable and we are responsive, but also during these hours, this is how we work. <laughs> like we are a professional business. Yes, we are small business, but that doesn't mean that you can just text me and expect a response. Like the best way to contact right. me is via email. And then even in brackets saying, because if it's in my inbox, I won't forget to get back to you. Like kind of reminding them, this is what I want. And it's good for you because of this reason. So I have that kind of email and I'm working slowly at working on all of the emails. So the things like um, along the way kind of saying, it's so great that you've approved our designs. The next phase is blah, blah, blah. And kind of, you know, and having those templated emails that make people feel like they can trust you, like they're in really good hands. Like, you know, they can just go with the flow, but they have everything they need if they need to go back and have a look at it. Yeah, I like that because that like having process and like a flow that communicates like professionalism and then yeah. that results in in trust and, and being more comfortable because rather than just like oh this is just a small business that's just firing things off it's like no this is a, an established company with a a clear flow yeah, yeah. I think people it, it, get really nervous about spending a lot of money with you. And also just the fact that they're having to pay a deposit up front. For me, if you're working with me, I'm like, once you've approved my proposal in general, we're not starting for another six to eight weeks because our, our timeline is just, that's how it works. Like we are booked up for the next six to eight weeks in general. So if you're starting with us, I'm saying you need to pay your deposit to lock yourself into our schedule. So they're paying two months before anything happens. So they need some reassurance that, is that their money is not just going into the ether. That's I'm so jealous of that, Sarah. And I want to be like that. I want to be like you, Sarah. Like what? I want to have I like, want to I want like to be Sarah. that organized and have everything that booked out and all that. Like, I'm always like, sure, we can do that. <laughs> well, I'm, I've learned from the hard lessons, which I think, you know, we're always learning from our hard lessons, right? Always. And my hard lessons are I'm more likely to want to say yes to people. And what I've learned is that by saying to people, by actually knowing my schedule and being able to say to people, I can't take that on until two months away. It does two things. One thing it does is it reassures them that I'm busy, therefore I'm trustworthy. And sometimes yeah. it's given me the sale by telling them I can't start straight away. Second thing it does is it actually allows them the buffer room that they need because clients right. are terrible at getting you information. And so mm -hmm. it's better to say we can't start for that much time because realistically you can't because they won't get the stuff to you anyway. So you need enough time to be able to do the back and forward of we need to get this from you. Now we need to get this from you. That can take weeks. So why not, you know, like mm. it's, it's worked awesome. out that way I for me. But. We tried something this year with um, where um, just before the very first lockdown and Lucky us, we're about to go into another lockdown for a month. Mm. Um, 
but just before the first lockdown where literally everybody just shut up shop and and, and stayed at home um we had a few people that we'd met a few weeks beforehand and we contacted them and it all gone a little bit quiet and and we said to them look we can start your website and they were like, oh, I don't know if I want to pay that. I don't know if I want to start that off. So we started doing payment plans with people. And it was something I'd not really tried before. But actually, it, it's, it, it's kind of a sort of, sort of double-edged sword, really, because on the one hand, a payment plan work, can work really well for people to get a website and get them up and running, and they don't feel like they're spending lots and lots of money. But then what you have is getting the needed materials from them and actually closing out the project becomes really, really difficult because they're not, because of that lack of initial investment, if you like, what Sarah was just mm. talking about, um, they're, they don't, they're not sort of as committed as if they've given you a 50% deposit. So if they've gone and you've, you know, you've got a, uh, let's say a thousand pound website and they've given you 500 pounds up front for that website, then you find much more level of commitment than if you say, let's do a payment plan over sort of 10 months and it's a hundred pounds a month. They'll continue uh, Mike, to we pay. Don't, we don't talk about thousand thousand pound websites around here. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're on the wrong well, podcast. I, I mean, yeah. on, well, depending, <laughs> depending. Know, you're just going good Just numbers. as an example. Yeah, just as an yeah. example. But it, it really depends on that person. Um, and uh, what state that you know they're they're in, um, but if you don't get that um, commitment, um, that financial commitment from it, you can find that these projects start to lag. Then what starts to happen is that taking on new business becomes even harder because you're nagging them to say, "Look, we still haven't had the images from you. We still haven't had the the text from you," um, and we we're a business as well, and we need to move on. Um, and we would like to complete your project because that's what you wanted. You wanted a website. And um, we had one particular customer who um, we started with them in February and we've literally only just gone live. Uh, and, uh, and, we were, we, we, and we really tried and we kept pushing and pushing and communicating, um, but we just weren't getting anything back. And I think this has just been such a difficult year for so many people that the payment plan and the onboarding, if you're trying to onboard a client, payment plan can also work as well, but just be careful with it. Uh, Magi Web Design, <clears throat> excuse me, in the chat has had a couple great comments, but uh, one thing he or she, I think it's a he, I'm not sure, um, Maggie. said, Maggie, Magi, I don't know. Come on, man. Give me something. <laughs> M-A-G-I says that he <laughs> or she tried content snare it's going to be terrible because I know this person too, and I'm just like brain dead today. But anyway, um, he tried Content Snare, which is by our buddy James Rose. He's been on the podcast like last year sometime. But that's an amazing tool for getting content from people, which is, I don't know, is that part of the onboarding? Like, I guess that's onboarding the project. Is. That's onboarding yeah, yeah. the project if you're doing a website in particular. So I think that's a really useful tool. I'm like always like a hair's breadth away from from using it and something always like there's some other other thing that always like prevents me but I'm a huge fan of it like I always want to use it and uh, sorry Jimmy and um and then client portal has been mentioned 
yeah. in the chat quite I, a I've bit got, as well. I bought Client Portal, but I haven't I did too, and I never used implemented it. it. Yeah. <laughs> AppSumo. Client Portal is, it's a thing that you kind of put in the back end of your website. And basically you have this page that's dedicated for your client. And so if you do the work of implementing it, it's a little bit like automation, right? Like it's going to take a lot of work to get it's it set all up, set up. Yeah. But the idea is that then they have a page and you can clearly show them the process. So you can show them where we're up to in the process, what is needed from them in the process. And so that's really useful. One thing I've found though, is that I've tried all the different, <laughs> I've tried so many different methods of like saying to clients, okay, we're going to use Asana. I have like brought you into mm -hmm. your Asana project and this is what you need. And I found I've made them a tutorial on how to log into Asana, how it works. And they don't even log in. Like they just mm -hmm. don't do it. Or I've tried the process of using Trello. I've tried the process of like making Google docs for the content where I kind of say, okay, th these are the pages you've set out, chuck your content in here. And then what would you prefer to use? Would you like to use uh, Dropbox, Google drive or OneDrive? And I give them the choice. I set them up a folder, like go through this process and then they still email still me. Still doesn't stuff. work. Yeah. Like, yeah. so I kind of, and I guess as my business grows, maybe it will have to change. But honestly, the way that I find it works the very best is asking the client right at the beginning, how would you like to work with me? What is going to work for you? Because really, I want to get the stuff. And if I want to get the stuff, I need to know what they are actually going to do. Like, are they yeah. actually going to email me? Are they willing to use Google Docs? Do they already use it all the time? Great. Let's give you the Google Docs thing. You can chuck all your content in there. Okay. You don't work like that. Send me five emails, write me an email, title it homepage and chuck your content in there. That's fine. Like whatever is going to mean you get me what I need. I am willing, to, and then you just need to note that somewhere so that you can oh, remember how that's going to work. I get that's not going to work for a big business, but again, it's going to make the experience pretty good for them because you have made it work for them. Um, and I think it's just about giving them a few options that says we can work in this way, this way, or this way, what's going to work for you. And then letting them choose. For me, that has worked after trying all these things after saying, no, you have to work with my thing and I use Google drive. So you have to use that. It doesn't, it yeah, they won't do work. it. Mm -mm, it no. doesn't. Have you guys used things like Project Huddle or um, Markup.io is a similar one to that? And what's yeah. um, no. what's yeah, Vito's tool? WP feedback. feedback. Yeah, those are yeah. all similar tools. Mm. Um, have you guys used those? I'm. I have a no. agency client right now who's using that with his client for a site that we're working on, and um, it's. I think it's good. I think it's good. I don't think the agency set it up exactly right because he used a jpeg instead of actually like putting together a dummy site <clears throat> and so there were some responsive issues and the client's like it's so small like why is everything so <laughs> tiny because it doesn't like scale properly so um but i think those tools are really good mm. for those reasons sarah because like if you send somebody to a new tool it's new and yeah. they're already they're already dealing with a running a business and b all of this new stuff which is yep. creating a website and marketing and all of that. So if you can put them in front of something familiar, like just email me this stuff or like go here where you can see it. You know, I don't, I mean, mm -hmm. that's such a tough one. Cause you know, there's so many lines of thought on that. Like, do you yep. build the site before you have the content and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But you know, and we've talked about those before we have, um, but realistically, if you can show them a page and say like, this is your about page. Like this is yeah. where that, like your story is going to go. And this is where your little bio is going to go or whatever it is. Like 
I do think it, in a lot of cases that that's very useful because it's familiar. Again, even yeah. though like using again, a tool like those tools is different, yeah. like the environment of being on a website feels familiar, you know? It does. I, yeah. I think it's a really tricky one based on your process. Um, I know we've talked about it a million times before, but using something like Loom is honestly the best tool that I've ever come across because when we come up with a design, I'm going to send them a JPEG. They're going to look at it as this big, long thing, and they're not going to know how to zoom in on a JPEG because clients right. just don't know how to zoom in on a JPEG. So mm -hmm. I always send a video of me zoomed in and I talk them through it. Um, nice. And so I think, you know, there are things that you can do where you don't have to meet with them, but you can send zoom them on really loom. Yeah, you just send them a really quick video. Yeah, it's like Zoom, except they can't butt in on you, right? So you just like, you you're Zoom, giving yeah. them the rundown and then they can ask their questions afterwards. I Honestly, even if you're going to send them a JPEG or you're going to send them to the website or you're going to send them wherever, I think a really quick Loom is going to, again, help that experience, especially if they're not tech savvy. Of and I'll tell you, of, you like know. where the, the real gold comes with the Loom is if it's something that they need to do again and again. So they don't have to call you, even if they get it the first time, if you just have a phone call mm -hmm. and then three days later, two weeks later, whatever it is, when they've got to send the next yep. bit of stuff. And it's like, what do I do again? Watch the video. Yeah. And Watch so say you wanted to use a tool like the WP feedback, you can make them a really quick loom and say, Hey, we've got this really awesome way of you giving us feedback. This is how it works. And you can just show mm -hmm. them in the video. Like, this is how you do it. You just click here, you type this thing here. And that's how you can give us feedback. And you could even have that as a standard video that is on a page, whether you use client portal or whether you have like a help page that has that information, you can just have it a standard for everyone where they can just like go and watch that. The other thing on videos that I've seen some people do, which I think is super cool, and it depends on your business to how it works. But if you had client portal or if you had like, you could even email it to them as a Loom video, but you could actually record them a video. Like, you know, if this was kind of cropped and it was just a little Loom video that was like, hey, we're so excited that you've chosen to work with us. Like, welcome to the team. This is how it's all going to work. And it's basically that welcome email in a video. I've seen some people yeah. do it. I haven't done it, but you know, that's another idea people could take on maybe. Yeah. I think the bottom line is clients don't want to work, like don't make them work. And so like, if they're not used to using to. a certain tool, then learning it is going to be work. And they're going to be like, oh my gosh, like whether they yeah. realize it or not, they're thinking I hired this person and I'm paying them thousands of, of dollars or thousands of pounds. Uh, 1,000, I'm to, paying them 1,000 pounds for all of that's this. A, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot they're, of dollars. A lot of dollars. Uh, they don't want to work. And so you have to meet them where they're at. Like, I think that's kind of what I'm hearing. The moral of the story here is like, if that means letting them email you, like, as Sarah said, then like, so be it, you know, for us to like quickly download and upload to our, you know, whatever system that is, isn't that much effort. So you mm. kind of just have to, that's right. Yeah. Don't it's make a good them point, work. Tim. It's a good point. But the thing it, people quite often think that when they're um, hiring you to design their website, that actually they don't, there's nothing for them to do. Right. And then as part of your, yes. <laughs> as part of your onboarding process, it's, it's, so have you got the copy? Have you, have you thought about the images that you might like on the website? Oh no, I've not thought of anything like that. That's your job. 
Well, actually, <laughs> it's really helpful if you're part of the process because then you don't get a surprise that you don't like. So if we've helped you select the images and perhaps we've made some suggestions or you've given us an idea. So coming back to what Stephanie was talking about, about websites people like, styling, fonts, colors, all of those sorts of things. But also just also coming back to markup.io, the really great thing about that tool is you can show progression as you go with each image that you upload. So you can either use it to um, add a URL that they can go to and make comments, uh, add comments to that URL. Or what we do is we upload an image every single time we um, have a progression. And so each one of those images goes next to the last set of comments. So it's within those sets of comments. So if you end... Yeah, if you end up in a dispute situation where somebody kind of says, that's not what I wanted, I say, well, hold on a second. On this comment, on the very first one, you said, could you change that photograph to be this? We did that. Here's your latest, here's that revision. And now you're saying you want that photograph changed again. Yes, we'll do it for you, but just be aware that you know you're like revision police. Indeed. Indeed. But it is. You kind of just Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But it's just it's just reminding people because when we send our proposals out and this is where people can get really um, overloaded by it, I, I'd imagine that most people um, will send out one of these long contracts. We, we do that because there's so many things we've been um, bitten on in the past <laughs> where, you know, you say, right, we need to add that line in because that's not happening to us again. We're adding in how many revisions somebody gets because that's not happening again. And it, it, eventually this contract becomes huge, um, but it's there to protect you and it's it's there to inform them. So I always say to them, yeah. please take the time to read this. This is not like T's and C's where you're going on and buying something <laughs> online and just clicking to say T's you've read the terms and <laughs> where you've read the terms and conditions and you haven't read the terms and conditions. This is a con formal contract between us where we're uh, agreeing we will do this work for you, but you're agreeing that you will abide by these um, this proposal as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, those are really good points. So we've been talking about this onboarding process, which Tim defined, and then Sarah added a little bit to it. And it's like, it's still morphing how we're defining yeah. what this is, which is kind of interesting to see that happen as we all talk about it. So it's just to recap, it's part logistics, like it's part just like getting yeah. their name in your database. It's part client information, like project information. I mean, sorry, like what's this project going to be? What bits and pieces do we have in need? And it's also a big chunk of education as well is getting them up to speed. Which a lot of times when we think of onboarding, we at least I do, I tend to think of more of the like, let's get them into the database kind of a thing. Like they're onboarded, they're in the system, we've got their credit card number now, all this, the the, the bells and wheels are all spinning, like everything's spinning and everything's in motion. You know, like that's sort of what I tend to think. But but I think that education part really does count. I do those things too, but I don't like when I hear the word onboarding, this has been kind of interesting to think about how like educating them is really such an important part of that oh, process. Yeah. 
Absolutely. John Williams just mentioned in the chat here, uh, which is is related to onboarding, and that's make sure you have yes. one point person to deal with instead of a team. Watch out for family businesses that all want their hands in the process. And that is absolutely <laughs> Sage crucial. advice. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've added that to my my contract now that you that there's only one point of contact and all information has to be disseminated through that person. And so, uh, cause otherwise you end up having, whether it's a family business or just a, a team, uh, you have all yeah. these different things. And so, uh, if you have a contract and you basically, you, you can essentially, uh, have a, uh, what I call too many cooks in the kitchen tax where it's uh -huh. like, okay, if you want like five different people sending me stuff, like I'm going to charge you extra because yeah. that's going to be five times yeah. as much work for me to read all those emails, especially which this has happened to me quite a few times where one person's, uh, revisions contradicts another person's yeah. revision. Yeah. You're like, so, okay, which one trumps the other one? You guys one? Like, sort yourself <laughs> out first and then give me one yeah. lot of revisions. Yeah, exactly. Here, here was a, here was a fun one. I've started implementing that as well because of that. Like you, you just can't have too many opinions. So I'll tell, I, I started a, a new brewery project. This was a few months back and they, um, they had, a team of investors. Some had invested more, some had invested less, but they were all considered owners. At the same time, we were going to do a rebrand and it was a merging of two companies and one guy owned the original brand and he was not going to be the point person. And I'm like, this is not going to go well. <laughs> you know, so I, I also said, I said, I need one person that's in charge of making decisions and I need to know who the key stakeholders are so that when we go through the branding sessions, you guys all need to be there. But then that one person gets to make the call. I was so proud of myself. I was so like disciplined. I handled it so good. I gave him awesome. them um, Troy Dean's speech about Batman being in the room. Have you guys heard that? I love that so much. He's like, Batman has to be in the room for this meeting because even if it's Robin, even if Robin is in the room, when he leaves, he still has to go and explain it to Batman. And he's not going to explain it as good as you. So Batman has to be in the room. And I freaking love that illustration. So I did all this. Come to find out they gave this. So they picked. They chose who was in charge. Me and her would have all these phone calls. She would say stuff. She signed the contract. We did all these things. She couldn't write a check. So I was waiting weeks and weeks for the payment. She didn't, she was, they're like, well, she's low on the totem pole. She was one of the lower investors. So that, so it was a fake, it was like a, like, it, I got totally punked. I was like, I did, but I mean, you know, it's going to happen. Like, there's nothing, I could not have done more to organize it and to be like on my game. And the whole thing yeah. was just, there was so many other things wrong with that project anyway, that also weren't my fault, by the way. But, yeah. uh, but so yeah, so that is. So one point person, and then make sure the point person has decision-making power. <laughs> yeah. Make sure they actually are allowed to make this. Like, it's, it's like everybody's been saying, like, this is how, this is how our businesses are built is on like, okay, well that sucked. So I'm going to change that in my contract now. <laughs> add yeah. that on. Add that I mean, on. it's like, you, we say it jokingly, but it's also true. Like our contracts are built from all of the mistakes that we've made. Yeah. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, that line needs to be changed. Or I need to add that to that because of this client. And so it's like, you could look at your, your contract, uh, you know, after you've been in business for five plus years and every single point basically has a story along with it, you know, of yeah. a mistake that was made or something that was yeah. missed that I actually think put it in there. <laughs> if this wasn't just about like, if this wasn't a Divi formed group, I think this podcast really should be called like learn from our mistakes. 
Like that's what this podcast should be called. Plenty of them. <laughs> We've got a, a, a customer where um, we tend to deal with the marketing marketing department. They come to us all the time. They say, can you do this? Can you do this? We, we built the website. We've kept going with them. We've had a two-year relationship. Um, but we've also ended up also dealing with the warehousing side of the operation. And for whatever reason, they don't talk to the marketing side. And there's a little bit of tension there. You know how these things are. And so we'll get an email from the warehousing saying, we'd like to do this. And then you've got this situation because they haven't appointed a point person. And even the point, the person we deal with in marketing doesn't want to be the point person, but they're happy to ask us to do stuff. I keep saying to them, Mm -hmm. please, please just give us one person to speak to who's coordinating what you want us to do because it makes it so hard um, to try and deal with all of your requests because you're all expecting these things to happen very, very quickly, but we're getting them in from all different parts of the business. So important. You know know what I think, Mike? As I was listening to you say that, I think you should stop saying please. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. It sounds like you're saying like, would you please do this for me? Like, like you're, they're doing you a favor. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm all for being nice. Like, don't be a jerk, but say like, you know, you've got to lay down the law or they'll walk all over you. It's like parenting or being a teacher or anything like that. You know, like you have to like give them their boundaries that they can't cross. Like say like, uh, no, that's unacceptable. You've got to have this, this, and this. Here's your deadline. I mean, because the other way it's like, really that stuff. You've kind of got two options at that moment. Like, You've got one option, hopefully you see it early enough that you can choose to say, I don't think we're going to be a very good fit. And I know some people feel really concerned about rejecting work, but the amount of times that I have seen a red flag and we did an episode recently on red flags, but the amount of times I've seen a red flag like that and I've thought "Mm, it might be okay. It never is okay. And the amount of time you invest (laughs) into that client you would have been better taking on two other clients than that mm-hmm. one particular client. So you've got that choice. Like if I see it early enough, it might be enough to go, no, nah, this is not my choice. Like I probably won't ever work with a committee again, like a kind of charity committee type thing, because it just has been so hard. Um, so that is a red flag for me that I'm willing to give up on some work for. The other option that you have is if you see that red flag Um, early enough or if you see it along the journey that you can say to them look I've noticed there is this issue where there are lots of people who are needing to be a part of this conversation my recommendation is that we increase the amount of contact hours because it looks like you're going to need it and that is going to bump up the price and essentially they just pay for the extra time so instead of that is beautiful confusion you add a few extra meetings or you even if you're just alerting a client and saying you know what, I'm concerned about this thing. I'm seeing this thing and I'm concerned this is going to be an issue for us working together. Let's work something out now. Um, Mm -hmm. These are our options. Either you give me one person who can definitely give me answers and they do not need to refer to anyone else or we increase the client time, whether that's with meetings or whether that's with emails and we allow for this amount of barrage of emails or revisions or whatever it is, you make allowances for it. But if you kind of speak up and say, I'm concerned. I think clients respect that. You're noticing something, you're speaking about it and you're doing it before it gets awkward, much better situation than later. Everybody listening right now, wherever you're at, how fire is 9am. Sarah, it's unbelievable. That was some gold right there. 
I was just about to ask, because Tim said something about like increasing the price if it's going to be all these people. And I'm like, man, how do you do that? Like that was the question in my head and you already answered it. How do you do that if you have a, a fixed bid or something? But I guess you just say that. You say like, look, I'm coming to you and I'm saying, I see something brewing, a problem brewing that is a, that is a potential issue. And then issue. they can choose at that point, right? Like you're giving them options. If one thing I've ever learned from parenting and a like one of my sons particularly is if you can give them two options, then they just pick one and they're uh -huh. less like combative about it. So if mm -hmm. you can say to them, your options are you give me one person who can give me all the answers or you pay more, or, it's your choice. Like uh, I don't care which way you go. If you want to pay more, totally, that's fine. Let's just do that. And I just had a client, um, we did a proposal. If you're listening at home, said, write that down. Write that one down. That was gold. <laughs> Parenting well, makes you better at business. And in, <laughs> in my proposal, I, as a standard, I say four hours of contact time, which is either meetings or emails or Loom videos or Zooms or whatever it is, four hours. And this client was good enough to say, I don't think that's enough. Like, I think we're going to want to have more discussion. And I said, okay, great. Do you want to up it to eight hours? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, no worries. Let's up it to eight hours. And I'm even willing to time that. And if it ends up more at the four hours, I'll just reduce the final invoice. And she was yep. stoked with that. She knew she had Perfect. the time she needed. It was built into the budget, but equally I'm not then getting pissed off that there are so many emails where she wants to meet or whatever. It's built in. It doesn't make us better at our job. It makes us worse humans when we don't manage our own projects and stuff properly too, right? Like it makes us- Well, it also just makes us hate doing, our but... work. Like yeah. the amount of jobs that I haven't dealt with this stuff well, like we're all saying like it's mistakes that make us learn this stuff, right? Like the amount of jobs that I have ended up hating working on because every time an email comes through I have that oh, feeling yeah. like oh my god another email from that person I don't want to deal with it and then I just start feeling like resentful for every time I'm working on this project you don't want to feel like that and mm, if yeah. you can either say well I'm just not going to do the work or I'm going to charge more like you have the choice right mm. well, we did awesome. get somewhere because this week I've got all of the departments in the room on a meeting on Thursday. So I'll let you know how it goes. Oh, <laughs> good luck. Good luck. I hope Batman <laughs> is there. Batman's there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, we're, we're coming up on our time. There was one, uh, think about your, start thinking of your final thoughts, but I had one other little onboarding trick that I use, which is kind of like a sneaky onboarding. And that is I have, um, I, I have lots of, because I'm comfortable talking to people and having Zoom calls. Not everybody likes to do that. I sort of, like, I really won't turn anybody away for a 15-minute call and, unless you're real creepy. Yeah. So I have forms just up on all of my websites and in my emails and stuff like, hey, let's get on a chat. And um, particularly for the brewery clients on my brewery website, if someone fills out a form to have a chat with me, whether it's a 15 minute chat, that's just an open invitation, or if it's a, a longer meeting that, that they, you know, we've requested, they've requested or something like that. It with the confirmation page of the meeting jumps to another page. It's got like some goofy GIF that's like, Hey, I'll see you soon. And then it says what to expect in their email. And it says, while you're here, would you take one minute and give me a little bit more information about yourself? And then it asks very specific, like, questions about their brewery, you know, the size, how long they've been in business, things like that, which is, like I said, it's kind of sneaky because they're not necessarily a client yet, but it gives me an opportunity to sort of pre-onboard them. It gives me information about the meeting that I'm about to have, and it gets them in the system so that if we do go farther, 
this less stuff that I need to collect from them later on. So anyway, that's something that I've also used to good success. Yeah, it sounds like you're really using small forms well. Um, yeah, like much better. Lots of little I hate small forms. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. It's a pain to organize them all, but I think it works better. People just have no attention span. And yeah. I, I, I went on a, a podcast. Was it a podcast? Yeah, and I had to do the on. No, 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 it wasn't even. It was one of these coaches that had like a free thing. And somehow, I forget how I had heard about him, was referred, whatever. But I went through his process just to get on his Zoom call. And I was basically like, halfway through, I was going to give up. And then I was like, no, I'm filling this thing out so I can tell him how horrible this is. Like, and I, went on there and I did. <laughs> I did. I told him, I'm like, this was a nightmare to just get on a call with you. So, which reminds me, I wanted to ask you guys professionally this question. I have like Sarah and I are both clients of Tim's. I've been in your, like the, the client area and stuff like that. And I have told you in the past, like Tim, the freaking, I, I'm saying it now because it's, you fixed it. It's different, but I'm like the freaking <laughs> social media buttons cover up the stuff that I need. Like they, there was an issue with it. Or like, if you oh, go to somebody's, like if you, if we are customers of each other, you know, like if, if you guys, like I have friends of mine or people that are in my Facebook group, stuff like that, that are my customers, my clients. It's like, if you, if you have something in your, like, if I see something that is a point of friction or uh, something that isn't good, do you want people, like, do you want to hear about it or does it annoy you if people come, like, it's not Tim's a complaint. Like, I don't know if I want to say yes, because I'm going to get 500. Yeah. You're going to get pounded because you have a lot more customers this. than me. <laughs> yeah I, I I mean I do for sure um a lot of times it like the stuff that I see or, or the stuff that people will will tell me it's like I've ar either already known about it just because I've noticed it myself or other people have told me about it but I I welcome feedback for sure um I I think as web designers we can be tough critics like for example in the Facebook groups anytime someone asks for feedback like hey I have this new design like what do you what mm -hmm. do you think like Sometimes they just get like ringed yeah, like by people because they're tough critics. Yeah, but like absolutely, like in that situation, like for sure, like I I want to know like if there's a, a point of yeah. friction or something like that, like that I can make better because the the way I look at it is uh is everything is 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 scaled out. So like if you're telling me about it, chances are there's you know however many more customers that have yeah. also had that same frustration. Yeah. Ha just haven't spoken up about it. So, um, so that's mm -hmm. kind of the way I look at it. And so uh, from a customer, uh, client services perspective, like, yeah, it's not the same as having like an e-commerce business with thousands of customers, but like yeah. each client is a lot more valuable. So if there's a point of friction it, and yeah. that causes frustration, then like, that's a big deal. Cause you know, those are thousands of yeah. dollars worth right. of, of clients. It's like the yeah. human version of hot jar. And, you know, mm. when we first put Hotjar on our site and then we, we get, I think you get about a hundred videos or, or whatever it is that they, that they accumulate. And then you actually go in afterwards and start watching where people are clicking. And then you go, oh my God, I've not seen that before. Yeah. And you see the behavior. It's, 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 you just see the site with totally different, a totally different view on their behalf. And it's, a, it, that's also, you know, can be You're really like Click yeah. that one, you dummy. That's it. Where are you going? <laughs> That's not a button. Why are you I clicking know. there? Why did yes. you stop? Where did you go? Are What's you all this snagged? squiggling? 
Yeah. Uh, I've done work for a few friends and I think, don't worry, I'll wrap that, that up quickly. Um, I've done work for a few friends and honestly, I'm very wary of it now after some issues, but I think, mm. I think it's one of those things where it can be really good because they will give you more information. And one of the things that I got really good information from one of my friends was that my tutorial videos were still too technical. So Mm. I needed to slow down and I needed to be much more basic. So I think a a error that a lot of us can fall into is as our technical knowledge increases, we forget that most of our clients have never touched a website. So they don't understand any of it. They don't even know what WordPress is. And so I think some of the things that we can learn from talking to our friends or clients who just feel like they're willing to tell you stuff even mm-hmm. asking them that stuff can help you improve. Like Tim said, yep. then I'm like 80% of my clients probably are having the same experience, but I just didn't know about it. Um, so that was a really helpful feedback that one of my friends gave me. And I'm trying to work more on not dumbing it down, but making it more accessible for people because what sure. I think is really simple doesn't feel simple to my clients. So I'm still working on that one. I don't know yeah. that I'm great I, at it. I feel like there's, there's a, an art to it where, cause if you go too dumbed down, then the people that are more basic are like, oh my gosh, I get it. Like yeah. I know how to use a mouse, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. You do, but like, I feel like there's a way to do it where you could layer it like, uh, yeah. like cartoons, like really well done cartoons have layered jokes where at the most basic level, like a four or five-year-old is going to laugh because the yeah. little cartoon ran into this and got hit with the hammer, you know, whatever. (laughs) But then there's more sophisticated (laughs) humor where the parents watching it with the kids are also going to laugh. And so I feel like there's ways you can do that where you're, you're teaching and and going through to where like you're able to unpack something for someone that's brand new, but in a way where it's not going to like bog down some more experience. I haven't Uh, cracked the code on that, but you can just use yeah. the words like when you're showing people, you can just say, look, you might already know this. And that's totally I fine. Do, that's if you what do. I do, yeah. But just in case you don't, this I, is. I sometimes will say, word. I don't want to speak above you or below you. Just let me know if you know, you know, something simple like that. I think what, that kind of transparency. A lot helps. of my clients don't know this. So I just thought Bingo, I would tell you yeah. in case. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they like... feel awesome because they're like, I already know that. I'm yeah. amazing. That's yeah. true. That's yeah, true. That true. is a good one. <laughs> Mike Michalowicz in one of his books, Pumpkin Plan, maybe, I don't know. He talks about how the um, the card in the back of the airplane seat is like one of the most brilliant pieces of marketing because like literally anybody can understand it. It's if you're four, if you're four, you can look and see like, if this is on fire with these big flames, then you put your head here and you bend over like that. And, and an adult, somebody who doesn't speak the language, whatever, like anybody can read it. It's like, it's so, ref- it's just like refined to perfection. And so that's kind of, I guess the, the, the end goal is to make things like that, but I don't know. Yeah. I, like I've had millions I've had of dollars on those. I've had customers tell me that some, some have told me that, oh my gosh, this is the best tutorial I've ever watched. And then others, like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Because it's like <laughs> trying to apply to both, like, it's so can't hard. Win, right? Yeah, you can't <laughs> win. Yeah. yeah. And that's All right, guys. why I think you do need to customize stuff and not just have template for everybody. Yep. I, like, I want to keep talking. I know you guys do too, but we started <laughs> late and then we went over our time, so... People probably have to go to bed. Everybody uh, in the UK, Mike is falling right now. It is way past the bedtime. And his arm is about to give out from holding on to his wonky microphone. He is in air traffic control right now. And well, there's like, there's been some real problems. 
I've got these. I've got Caused these. By Stephanie. Bluetooth. Bluetooth <laughs> let me down. I know. Sorry, Mike. I said he... Listen, I'm super... Oh, go ahead. Nah, I was just going to add to the joke and say that he's dealing with problems caused by Stephanie. That <laughs> <laughs> was my fault? Hey, you're, you're the one that's saying... Probably, probably is. Yeah, that's it, Tim. Yeah, yeah. freaking full moon the other day, and like everything has got. I had a day yesterday, and then today it was just like nonstop technical issues. Oh my goodness, it's like I don't know what gremlins have climbed into my electronics, but that's so. I'm sorry, Mike. I apologize because it probably is. Thank goodness I'm not in air traffic control because planes <laughs> will be it. dropping like flies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, who has, so does anybody have a quick final thought while you're thinking about it? Uh, if you're listening right now, we're so glad you joined us for this. It was a little all over the place, but I think it re remarkably all kind of related, even still, we always kind of go a little all over the place, but um, I, I know I have some things that I took away from it. I always enjoy chatting with these guys. And I hope you did too. If you would be so kind, whatever uh, app or platform or device you're listening on, please go to ratethispodcast.com slash Divi chat and give us a, give us a five star. We'd be so thrilled for it. Leave us a review and as always, feel free to submit um, topic requests, things like that. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of. Uh, you know, vote for more 9 a.m. Sarah. It's here for a while. We got, we got a, like, how many months? We got six months of this. It's going to be awesome. I know, right? So I know. And uh, if you haven't already, please smash that like button. If you're watching live on YouTube or wherever you're listening, we'd appreciate oh. it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to, we have a couple new moderators that have joined us, Miro and Carlos. Miro. So thank you both for helping out uh, and yes. making sure that our, our uh, live chat doesn't safe. get filled with, with spam and ads. Keeping <laughs> all the hate happened. out. I know. <laughs> We've had, we had, a, we had a zero, you know, they have like a zero incident sign at the construction sites. Have you seen those? Yeah. We had like a zero Viagra show today so that was good hey it's not over yet it's true. <laughs> <laughs> i feel safe though carlos and miro are taking care of us that's true they got us so anyway okay i guess does it no final thoughts then nah it's we're way okay. past it's too late we're way past it we've given all the thoughts all right you guys this was a blast thanks so much we will see you next week if you want to vote on the topic jump over to focus on your biz or leave a comment on our divi chat page we'll see you next week bye Take Bye. care. Bye.